You're listening to Arts Talk Radio, and I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you interviews as well as news relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, which are either in English or where language is no problem. We concentrate on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and the surrounding areas. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. For this programme, we meet a young lady who creates video installations, and we talk to a guy whose installation can be seen during Cirque Mania at the Corso Theatre. But first, we meet Chloe Rook, a young English lady who will soon be conducting a concert with a prestigious residenti orchestra at the Amara in The Hague. I met up with Chloe there during a break in rehearsals, and the first thing I wanted to know is what brought her to Holland in the first place. Well, I mean, it's it's a beautiful country, and and today and at the moment I'm here making music with the Residency Orchestra, so that is what's bringing me here right now. But actually, in fact, I moved here three years ago, right in the middle of the pandemic, to um, pursue a master's programme. The Netherlands has a really well-renowned national master's in orchestral conducting master's programme, which is a combination of training and professional placements with different orchestras and it was there that I first met and encountered the Residency Orchestra um, being also in, in the home of the, the Conservatorium here in The Hague and I met the orchestra first of all assisting um, and I'm now getting to guest conduct in a concert with them and I have stuck around in the Netherlands for, for the Residency Orchestra and other orchestras and the wonderful music. When did you start conducting and did you always want to be a conductor? You started off at a very early age I imagine on, on on some instrument? Um, well, so my first instrument I took up was the piano and I played that from about the age of six or seven for fun mostly and then when I was about 11 I took up the flute and that I took more seriously and that led me into classical music. Um, my route into conducting it was definitely not something even as a teenager I even knew about as a career it was not even on my radar but um, I had a, a background both in musical theatre and, and dance and as a performer in musical theatre that led into music directing musical theatre with my piano skills and the combination of that enjoyment of music directing and collaborating with people and classical music from my flute playing sort of led to conducting. I did a master in London and after that I said okay how am I gonna what's my next step and I found this program here and now I'm a freelance conductor just finished a year as the assistant conductor with the radio orchestra here in the Netherlands um, and yeah beginning to build my own freelancing career. Because it's it, it's thought of as very much a, a man's world or, or it used to be conducting I know that's changed a lot now. Did you find any sort of, I don't know, not resistance, but was it, do you think it was more difficult for you than it would be for a boy? Um, I mean, I think actually I've probably entered the industry just at the right time when the world is, is throwing its arms open welcoming women, at least in, in the Netherlands certainly and in the UK and most of the countries I've worked in have been really excited to have a woman on the podium in, in whatever genre of classical music you're talking about the conductor was often the person at the top and now it's much more collaborative and I think absolutely for the better when I walk into a room with an orchestra I know full well that there are many exceptional musicians who are as good if not better than me in front of me and my job is to try and bring everyone's skills together and create something unifying exciting I'm bringing my ideas and today it's my job to communicate my ideas but that doesn't mean my ideas are better only that it's that's my job for the day 
What's the secret of conducting? I mean, to most people watching a conductor, they sort of think all you're doing is waving your arms around. Admittedly, you're keeping time. But what's the most important element for a conductor to have? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I I think there are a few elements if to do the job of a conductor well, which I'm still learning. <laughs> um, I think a good downbeat always helps being able to breathe and to just be, have clarity with your arms. Clarity is a really important one. Um, but that has to start with ideas. You need to have ideas, something to communicate, clarity to communicate it. Some love of music and es expressivity um, that people feel able to express themselves, that you as a conductor are not closing off so the players feel closed off um, and and empathy empathy is really important to understand what the people in front of you are going through to be able to offer kindness to them um, and, and empathy I every instrument is so different a few years ago I set to try and have a lesson in as many instruments as I could just to get a feeling I mean never never would I become a great musician a great performer in any of those but I remember trying a bassoon for the first time and thinking this is absolutely impossible and yet the bassoonists I hear in front of me are staggeringly good I mean there's just that empathy and some understanding of what's difficult on the instrument what what a player might be facing in their everyday too what their life is like and how I might make that a notch a nudge better even just by giving a clear downbeat so they can play play in time and when you're not rehearsing and conducting and studying your score what music do you listen to at home in your headphones secretly so nobody else can hear <laughs> oh so many different things i mean i like i like keeping myself a little up to date with what's in the charts but actually i'm really a big fan of music from like the 60s 70s 80s recently of course topical well, right now when we are talking, <laughs> um, but um, Elton John has just done his Glastonbury performance and Elton John's been a, a hero of mine since I was a, a young kid. And actually, even as I've become a professional musician, I still have such admiration for his songwriting. It's just astonishing. And I love I love to play and sing his his songs just so wonderfully harmonically written too. I have a few of his songs on my list ready to be orchestrated as soon as possible because they are just I can, I can imagine um, a your song with singer and, and strings would be really quite divine Okay, thanks very much for that. That's uh, Chloe Rook who is a conductor in The Hague with the Resident Orchestra and your, your concert coming up on 15th of September 15th of September with a lovely programme of Beethoven, Clara Schumann um, Sibelius and Vaughan Williams Fantastic, we should look forward to that Thanks very much indeed Thank you Folks, if you're looking for a great, great publication, Arts Talk magazine. They talk about the arts, and it is so great, bigly. It's the only news that is not fake. I'm at the amazing depot in Rotterdam. Now, even if you're familiar with this incredible building, you may not be aware that there are also private collections stored and exhibited here. I'm in one such gallery now, which belongs to the Lakeside Collection, and I'm with a young lady who has just completed her artist in residency here, and we've been watching her latest video. I'm Jeanne de Huy. I'm uh, 28 years old and I'm from uh, Amsterdam. And you are artist in resident at I'm the Lakeside at Collection the Lakeside. in the depot. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And you're a filmmaker? 
Well, I would say I, I am a, a video artist more than a, rather than a filmmaker, I think. Okay, and you've made your latest piece, which is called... Heaven Must Be Like This. Which we're looking at now, which is, it's, I, I take three cameras mm -hmm. fixed on three black guys who are talking, mm -hmm. just talk, talking about things. Talking about life, I guess. Um, the middle one is uh, Lionel, that's my uh, uncle. Uh, he's the brother of my stepmom. And uh, the other two uh, guys are uh, his best friends. And uh, yeah, they're talking about life. Yeah, that's it, in their, in their cafe. So tell me a bit about your um, artist in residentship here. How did that come about and what does it involve? So I graduated from the Rietveld Academy in, uh, last year in 2022 uh, uh, with my uh, video installation and film Birds Fly Back. Um, and uh, with my installation I got selected for the best of graduates uh, of, uh, from Ron Mandos. And uh, uh, during that show, uh, I got to meet Ali, <laughs> and uh, he, uh, yeah, he handed me the award to be uh, the resident this year. Must be actually a great environment to, to work in the dome because every time you come to work in the morning, it's your exactly. inspired. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's more, uh, yeah, an honor to work between all these big names, you know. But um, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Do you find it distracting? Do you wander off and look at things during when you should be working? Um, well, I, I mean, this space I can close the door, so that that was that was nice. <laughs> but sometimes I, yeah, during my my break I went outside and yeah walked around. Okay, so your your current show, this installation, this video installation, is on until when? Uh, the twenty fifth of October. Okay. Yeah. So if you get a ticket to the depot, you get a ticket, you can, you can come in and, yeah. and it'll yeah. run continually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for yeah. that. <laughs> that was Jean Douay, whose video installation can be seen at the Lakeside Collection on the fourth floor of the depot, next to the Boymans van Berningen Museum in Rotterdam. Cirque Mania is one of the annual high spots at the Corso Theatre in The Hague. At this year's event, there will be an installation on view called Pieces of a Mind, and I met up with its creator to find out all about it. Okay, I'm Michael. Uh, I work in, in Corso here as a maker. We're standing in your um, installation, um, and it consists of two things, both of which are pieces of wood, and both of which involve a hammer. <laughs> and I, I think two years ago or so, we saw your incredible show, because it was one of the best things I've seen in a very long time, your Sawdust oh, Symphony. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us about this installation. Um, yeah, how it came maybe to do an installation yeah. was that I, so far I always did performances where I was on the stage also, and I just wanted to try something different, something that is not a performance. And what was important for me to make something interactive, so that the audience, I wanted to give the audience one time the chance to actually feel, touch the objects that we're working with. Because one of the things here is, um, I think, it's not possible to do that, is it? Is it? I think there used to be a game called Whack-A-Rat, yeah, or Whack-A-Mole, not Whack-A-Mole, yeah, Whack-A-Mole. And there's, at the end of a passage, there's a, there's a big log with a nail in it, and a hammer is provided. And you're supposed to creep up and hit the nail, but it's not possible, is it? 
Um, people managed. People managed. Because, I had, because obviously there's a sensor which feels you coming, and I just had a theory that if you stood behind it and waited... <laughs> Uh, no, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. <laughs> or <but> crawl. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, people tried everything, but uh, the thing is that uh, actually in the beginning we tried to make it an impossible game, um, but as we let people try it, we figured out that people are way more creative than we thought they will be, and so some people managed. And actually, we figured out that this is very nice because the fact that people manage it sometimes um, keeps people play the game. Mm. Uh, people are, lose very. Uh, uh, quick the interest when something when they feel something is impossible mm. yeah I give up quite uh, quite easily I'm afraid. <laughs> um, as I said the Sawdust Symphony was an incredible show is there any plans to do that again we're still touring that yes yeah. at the moment we have a break but we we have another tour in uh, in December in Holland and before that we go to UK we go to Denmark and so the, the show will still play for some time, I think. It must be a very difficult show to transport. Can you tell us, tell, because there will be, will be people who haven't heard, seen it, what, what exactly happens? There's a lot of wood involved and a lot of hammers and a lot of saws. <laughs> well, it's very difficult to describe what is happening in... in but it's the basically show. three guys on stage, exactly, on a raised stage, so that you come up from platforms underneath it. Yeah, exactly. And you're doing lots of things with bits of wood. You're sticking them together to make chairs at the beginning, I think. Yeah. And you cut them up and there's I think one guy gets covered in glue and, and wood shavings or something. Exactly. Yeah, like we are three three guys that play three different characters or three different uh, individuals that meet at this platform that we created, like this wooden floor that uh, that we are using. Exactly. And everybody tells a little bit a different story. Um, so every stories are very personal in a way and very different, and sometimes they connect. <laughs> and how we came to this topic was that we we three really like crafting and woodwork. And we already bef um, before the show we already built the decor and so on ourselves for like all the props, all effects, all the decor we built ourselves. And we were a little bit sad that this process of making and building the things is always completely hidden behind what you see on the on the stage. Um, and so that's why we decided we want to make a piece where people actually see how we craft the things ourselves. So was this was the starting point. Yeah. Was there never any temptation to have audience participation to bring people up from the audience? We actually we we did have the idea to have people to have on all seats where people sit a little nail stick out in a piece of wood and if <laughs> if the people want to sit comfortably they have to hit first the nail in to to do so um, but then we figured out this would mean we have to bring two thousand kilos of wood to every theatre. <laughs> so, yeah, so. I mean the, I think all the wood you see you use is destroyed, isn't it? You must start with new wood every night. Um, we destroy some parts, but we find found ways that we that we limit the, the amount of the waste. show just becomes smaller each night <laughs> <laughs> the stage becomes smaller sometimes yes <laughs> so when can we see sort of symphony again in um, holland or, or in holland the next show we play in the beginning of september at circus Bender in amsterdam and after that we we are touring again we have already all the all the dates. We, we play in whole holland and also in belgium some shows and we have already the dates on our website so fantastic well i shall keep an eye open for that thank you very much indeed cool. thank you that was michael zander whose installation Pieces of a Mind will be at the Corso Theatre in The Hague during this year's Cirque Mania. You can just pop into the Corso to see it during opening hours. It's free and you don't need to buy a ticket for a show or anything. Well, that's all for now. To play us out, here's a song from the Merrill Polat Trio. This is called Ben M. So, until the next time, it's goodbye. I'm Michael Hasted. Bye.
Yeah. 